You're listening to Conversations in Atlantic Theory, a podcast dedicated to books and ideas generated from and about the Atlantic world. In collaboration with the Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy, these conversations explore the cultural, political, and philosophical traditions of the Atlantic world, ranging from European critical theory to the Black Atlantic to sites of indigenous resistance and self-articulation as well as the complex geography of thinking between traditions, inside traditions, and from positions of insurgency, critique, and counter-narrative. Today's discussion is with three scholars of Franz Fanon's work and legacy. First, Rose Ferreira da Silva, professor at State University of Bahia in Brazil, who writes on race, politics, Afro-Brazilian literature, and comparative ethnic and African studies. She's joined by Lou Turner, who teaches black political thought and its radical iterations in the Department of Urban and Regional Planning at University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. As well, we're joined by Nigel Gibson, who teaches in the Institute of Interdisciplinary Studies at Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. Nigel is the author and editor of numerous articles and book-length treatments of Fanon's work, including the work we are discussing here, Fanon Today. Reason and Revolt of the Wretched of the Earth, published by Daraja Press in 2021. Hello, Nigel, Rose, and Lou. Great to have Hi. you here. How are you all doing? Good. Good. good Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks. Hi, I'm okay. Yeah, so it's thanks good to for see- inviting us. It's good to see you in virtual space, but, uh, you know, mostly to hear since this is a podcast, it will be our um our audio. Um, so first of all, uh, I'm really excited to, to talk about this book and, and hear your reflections on, on uh, the work of the project in general, about Fanon's work generally and broadly, but also some specific themes across the text. It's not only, I think, a really timely and exciting volume, but it's really hefty. This is like a very serious uh contribution just there are lots of pages and lots of words on the page i mean that in the best sense it it really the scope of the volume in terms of its its ideas ambition is really matched by the size of the reflections and the length of the pieces and the the, just the sheer volume of ideas is really impressive and and i have to say uh you know to you nigel as editor i know this editing work can be really thankless um and hope i'm you know, contributors are always very thankful, but in the profession, we're not always the most uh, thankful about it. But I really appreciate all that editorial work. It's just, it was an, it must have been an enormous task. Um, but it is, you know, for us as readers, it's absolutely valuable. So, you know, maybe to start, I, I wanted to ask this, you know, to you, Nigel, as the editor, but also to Rose and, and Lou. Um, perhaps some reflections that you have and as, as contributors to the collection. I want to ask a sort of broad question of narrate, uh, to, to invite you to narrate your way into the project. You know, I'm thinking, you know, you, Nigel, as the, as the editor, you know, as I was saying, this is a hefty project and you t- take on, you know, a lot of time and energy and, and resources to produce it and you know what drew you to it you know what what drew you to invest that kind of 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 human effort and time and energy into it well thank you thanks for having us on um and thanks for (laughs) noting the enormous amount of work the labor of lovers as jane gordon calls it um 
Yeah, I mean, the project emerged out of, of the idea of my 2011 book, which was actually published on the 50th anniversary of Fanon's death and, uh, and, and Le Dana de Deterre. Uh, which was called Fanonian Practices in South Africa from Steve mm-hmm. Biko to Abbas Lali Basman Jondolo. And interestingly, you know, critics had no problem with Biko as a f- f- Fanonian practitioner, but mm. they quickly dismissed um, my conception of the Shakdwala movement, Abbas Lali, uh, as Fanonian, and they dismissed it as, as romantic. The idea that the excluded and the damned of post-apartheid society could not only organize themselves but think from their own collective experiences was not something that was acceptable. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So I was I was hoping at the time that others, you know, Fanonian practices in South Africa, others could write Fanonian practices f- from other locations. And in a sense, mm-hmm. um, this collection I- is an iteration of that. But also the book was movement-centered rather than academic-centered. Mm-hmm. In other words, expressing the subtitle, which is the reason and revolt of the wretched of the earth, the thinking and reflection that's done in, in movements and communities, often thought to be very much on the margins or even outside of political and social discourse. Mm-hmm. And so the birth of the movement you know, it took a couple of years to put this together, and 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 the idea and the idea was developed in 2019. And one of one of the sort of um, elements of that was Hassan Mazin's film, uh, Fanon Yesterday and Today. And it's a two-part film. The first part's on on yesterday, you know, Fanon Fanon's life, mm-hmm. and then to, the today part is. His interviews with so with activists uh, around the world and and um, the chapters, some of the chat, some of the interviews uh, in in that book become became chapters in this book. For example, the one on the black experience in Portugal and the one mm-hmm. on Fanon Fanon in Palestine. But the project really got going in 2020, just before you know the uh, the sh- pandemic shutdowns. I was uh-huh. in South Africa. And met with Abbas Lali uh, in Durban, and um, to discuss Fanon. And the idea was that to, and this was an original idea of 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 the of the book was to sort of have interviews with, or not interviews, but have movements from below discussions with movements, mo- community move movements, activist mm-hmm. movements, and so forth. Um, and so I discussed Fanon with them in Durban, and then that became a chapter in this book. But 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 then as as the pandemic hit and and time went on, the, the whole idea of doing a 60th anniversary meant you know it it got expanded amazingly mm-hmm. into 22 chapters. Uh, but that didn't that didn't ex- exhaust its its possible scope. And there were a number of other chapters. Of course, when you edit a book, you're always looking. You know, you, you always have more. You know, more people say they're going to do it than than in the end ca- can do it within the deadline. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. the thir- and the third element of it, which which was essential to it, in a certain sense, was um, was the work of Feroz Manji at, at Daraja Press. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's done an enormous amount. You know, this is a this is not a 
profit-making press. It's a movement press. And he's, he, he did an enormous amount of work, you know, uh, editorial work as well as just organizing work. Um, yeah. And the, why I wanted to go with Daraja Press was because they, you know, make, make the PDF available for anybody um, just, by, just by them, you know, through, through signing into Daraja Press. So that was an essential element. The, the point was, like, why are we writing books? I mean, if 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 activists and community people, people in, you know, struggling communities and, and whatnot and activists and intellectuals in movements mm -hmm. can't afford to buy books, then who are we writing them for? So I wanted that to be, you know, I wanted it to be available, even if only uh, as a PDF. So, that, that you know, in a certain sense, yeah. that also was a Fanonian practice, you know, to make yeah. these books available uh, to grass in, to the to gra you know people in in the grassroots movements. Yeah, so I mean, I just have to say as a side note, you know, this this podcast series is in in collaboration with Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy, which is a philosophical and theoretical journal. So it has a different aspiration than the kind you're specifically speaking to. But um, we are an open access journal. Uh, because of the professor, the the scholar and student iteration of that, which is making these materials available to whoever has the capacity to download a PDF, um, and it's interesting uh, the the academic politics of that kind of publishing. Um, I know moving the journal to open access was an entire existential event. People <laughs> didn't want to do it, but the political meaning of it is so important. And I think, you know, just what you underscored in terms of this volume, the way it engages so many geographies in terms of concrete political movements, making this text available. Um, you know, thank you for that choice. I mean, I, I would love to see that from more scholars going forward. Um, and let me ask, you know, uh, Lou and Rose, uh, ask you as contributors, you know, what drew you to the volume? You know, we all as we're all, you know, writers, teachers, humans, friends, family members, et cetera. So we also take out time. You know, what drew you to to, you know, we'll have a chance to talk about the, the content of your particular contributions. But what intrigued you or attracted you to this particular volume? Maybe Lou, start. Well, um, I come to came to the project as as Nigel knows. Uh, we've known each other for decades now. Uh, I come to the project very much from the framework that Nigel sketched out for you for this project, and that I co-authored a work called Franz Fanon, Soweto, and American Black Thought, which was the creation of a a booklet or a pamphlet for movement. Um, it was a Marxist humanist um, pamphlet uh, and reading of Fanon and the social movement of the time that we started writing in 1975. And in the course of writing it over 1976, Soweto happened in the emergence mm -hmm. of the black consciousness movement and the, the revelation that uh, one of its leaders, Steve Biko, had been reading Fanon, a, a, a somewhat different Fanon than we had read back in the back Black Power movement in the 1970s, uh, late 1960s, 1970s in the United States, where we're, mm -hmm. we're all reading Wretched of the Earth, Biko and his comrades were reading Black Skin, White Mass, and the development of, of Black consciousness as a revolutionary category, which 
is is pretty much at the center of perhaps the most um, uh, contentious word in the subtitle of Nigel's book. And that's the word reason, mm-hmm. not just the revolt of the wretched of the earth, but the reason of the wretched of the earth. And the term comes from Fanon himself. Um, and so Biko and the Black Consciousness Movement have made self-consciousness uh, a revolutionary category. And we knew a little bit of something about that in the Black Power Movement, which was a Black Consciousness Movement itself in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I had written a pamphlet, a movement pamphlet, which I'm proud to say circulated in the underground in South Africa amongst uh, revolutionary youth and activists. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that that Nigel approached me with about creating uh, this work, um, as it turns out, on a much larger scale in terms of the scope of the volume, which I, but I think was perfect because we always viewed Fanon as a world, a world revolutionary. Um, mm-hmm. It, I thought that this was kind of like a new iteration of what we had done with our pamphlet back in nineteen. Uh, 78 when we when we published it uh, mm-hmm. both in terms of the artwork and the graphics which i think are important the photography and t- side and capturing social movements uh but also the analysis and the the voices that we wanted represented uh to yeah. to demonstrate the reason of the uh the revolt of the of the wretched of the earth so i came to it with with that perspective, I thought it was a kind of a, a high wire act that Nigel was walking, however, it, to produce sure. a, a book of what, 600 or almost 600 pages. It's the a, world's largest pamphlet. Yeah, it's the world's <laughs> largest pamphlet. But it, it, it also works in the sense of yeah. the availability. And I think this is something that's worth much more discussion within the movement and the intersection of the movement with academia. And that is the role And this, again, Fanon speaks to this in Dying Colonialism, a work that isn't studied or discussed enough. It's the role of technology at this stage mm-hmm. in relationship to social movements. He had the famous chapter in Dying Colonialism about the radio the tech and, mm-hmm. and technology in, in the movement. Yeah. And what you're doing um, at your shop and what Nigel was doing, having a PDF and doing with the Raja Press, you know, you know, what we saw with uh, Arab Spring and the role of social media uh, in that movement and other movements, what we see with the George Floyd, Black Lives Matter and the iPhone and the media. I, I think there has to be a much more serious discussion than we've had so far at least so far as I know, maybe they are going some ones, about the role of the new role of technology and social movements, which would make, you know, a, yeah. a text with the scope of, of Nigel's uh, text, um, not outside the purview of social movements at all. Uh, a PDF is now available. You can get it. Um, and those technologies um, have a tremendous impact and, and I think speed up the, the revolutionary process that we're, we're in. And I think what you're underscoring there is really just how, you know, this kind of text and hopefully others to come like it is also a challenge to scholars to, right. you know, I think that, you know, I, 
scholars, in my experience, tend towards the conservative, if not politically, certainly around the culture of publication. Mm. And the idea of mass circulation and availability is something that actually causes a lot of anxiety. Mm. But what you exactly what you're saying, I, I, I really love the way you put that. It gives us chance to say, you know, the political imperatives that may be in your work, right, actually land differently if they pop up on somebody's iPhone. Well, John, the thing is that's interesting is that the technology allows for a democratization of ideas. And if anything, academia is supposed to be (laughs) about that. Well, (laughs) I I will just say anecdotally, I would never name who it was, but one of the objections when we moved what used to be the Journal of French Philosophy changed its name to French. I wanted Journal of Francophone Philosophy, but we compromised French and Francophone Philosophy. Um, One of the objections that got a lot of applause was um, this phrase, I remember, some kid in his underwear in his basement will be reading our stuff. And I was like, don't we all read in our underwear, first of all? And second of all, if there's some teenager writing, reading something about Francophone theory, like, let's run towards that. That's right. So, Rose, uh, what drew you to, to, the, uh, to make your contribution to this collection, which, we'll, again, we'll have a chance to talk about. I, I really loved your essay. I learned a ton from it. So. But the content of the essay aside, I'm curious how you... Um, were drawn to to contribute to this? Well, I've been researching on uh, black intellectuals for a few years. And uh, when I was doing my master's at the Federal University of Bahia, so uh, mm-hmm. I started a discipline with a professor. Her name is Florentina da Silva Souza. And uh, Florentina introduced uh, Fanon's idea in her classes, uh, especially talking about uh, white skin, black skin, white mask. So at that time, I decided to research on a black intellectual in Sergipe, the state where I live. I'm mm-hmm. from Rio de Janeiro, but I live in Sergipe, the northeast of Brazil. Uh, Severo da Celino is a black. Uh, intellectual in Sergipe, and uh, he's from back movements in Sergipe. And he writes poetry, novels, so because I'm from literature. And I was that time researching uh, in his cultural production. And it was so interesting how I found that uh, the way that Severo da Celino uh, promoted some interventions in the state especially in the capital of the state, that is Aracaju, where I live. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was trying to understand his trajectory as a white, uh, black man, as a black intellectual, and of course, the kind of uh, literature he was thinking about and the kind of combination of his literature and the way he was thinking about uh, Sergipe, the society in Sergipe, and of course, uh, Brazilian society and the problem of being black in Brazilian society. Well, when I finished my master's course, I started the doctoral studies and I decided to continue investigating um, the way of uh, black thinkers, they uh, produce their projects. 
So then I decided to research on two big figures in Brazil, Abdias de Nascimento and Milton Santos. Abdias de Nascimento, he was an activist. He was a famous activist and his thoughts were very important for Brazilian people uh, to discuss and understand our participation as black people in Brazilian society. Mm -hmm. So, and Milton Santos, he was a geographer, a famous geographer. And uh, I was, I had a particular interest in analyzing uh, the trajectory of Abdias as an activist and the trajectory as Milton Santos as an academic. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was very important to write a thesis about Abidjan and the Milton Santos. And then my project continues because uh, when I decided to go to the United States to work uh, with Professor Louis Gordon, uh, so it was much more interesting because then I really decided to uh, read Fanon and also um, uh, read more in a deep way. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I had a project at that time in 2009 in interviewing some uh, black people, the archivals uh, of the discussion of uh, black uh, um, studies in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So I interviewed a bunch of people and uh, different from different fields in literature, in philosophy, in anthropology, in sociology. And so <laughs> it was hard work. And uh, so then I have the interviews and so all the material we are organizing uh, just because I don't want to just publish the interviews, but I would like to uh, have kind of the first part of the book explaining mm -hmm. uh, how the interviews, they are connected. So Fanon is uh, very important to resilience and very important in literature because today I cannot understand my work or I cannot understand writing a book, uh, in, even in poetry, not fiction, and without thinking about uh, Fanon's idea and how I'm gonna explain uh, to the students or how I'm gonna think about uh, the way that Fanon uh, uh, discussed the colonial uh, uh, situation and uh, how the colonial situation and the intervention of uh, the colonial uh, practice uh, could impact on uh, the way that black people we think and uh, the way that we are, especially in Brazil when we talk about branqueamento. So mm -hmm. until today, uh, people in Brazil, we have problems and became more white and uh, not really um, understanding our responsibility as blacks, especially when we are talking about in a, in a political way and towards mm -hmm. a transformative, uh, uh, pursuing a transformative uh, situation. Yeah, I think uh, to be yeah. short is the idea. Yeah, so, and maybe if I could follow up, and this would be a question I'm, I would love to hear you all reflect a little bit on, you know, the 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 volume uh, obviously is is focused on on the wretched of the earth in terms of its of its title and the content right as as, as a political document a transnational political document but you know I was thinking especially listening to you talk just now Rose in terms of of 
you know, race, racialization, colonialism, and so forth, you know, that also resonates really deeply with black skin, white masks. Right? Sure. And um, so I'm curious how, you know, in, in, in thinking about Fanon for, you know, for you, Rose, and then also Lou as a contributor, but then Nigel as editor, but also writer, you know, what is it about the wretched of the earth that seems a bigger draw than uh, like a bolder draw than black skin, white masks for the kind of work that you're doing in this, in, in, in this volume, or is it really, or do you really feel a different draw with wretched of the earth? I mean, or are they, are they both? And I'm thinking also of Lou's comment about Biko and, and black consciousness, you know, being so deeply connected to something like black skin, white masks, but Rose, maybe um, start us off with the thought. Well, when I decided to, because I was uh, investigating the trajectory of uh, um, black intellectuals and especially talking about black men. And uh, of course, um, when I went to a Congress and uh, a person asked me, why not um, investigating the tra trajectories of black women and, uh, you know, and why you are not investigating the trajectories of black women and writing about black women. So then I was thinking and I was just researching on some names that could be interesting for the historiography in Brazil. And so then I, I the name of Neuza Souza Santos and Lélia Gonzalez and others, of course, but I'm just specifically talking about the two, both of them. So the kiddie pop up. And uh, it was so interesting because I found that, that both of them had uh, the, a strong influence of uh, Franz Fanon's idea in their writings. Uh, well, uh, in Brazil, uh, I would say that people uh, usually know more about black skin, black skin white masks. And uh, uh, I think uh, the book is uh, available, more available. And hmm. uh, the Scratch of the Earth uh, is not really available uh, uh, because we have the translations in Portuguese. But uh, I think Brazilian people are more familiar with Black Sea Wet Mass. But I think uh, the two books, they completed a uh, kind of combination because all mm -hmm. the time when I'm writing about my essays and articles, I, if I'm, I'm going to talk about black skin, white mask, I will uh, just uh, use something from uh, the scratch of the earth. Uh, so I think uh, uh, it's quite not, it's, it's important to have a kind of uh, combination in terms of uh, ideas. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, John, I'm, I'm dying to ask this question or raise this point. And I've, it, sure, it just sure. struck me because uh this conversation has created a conjuncture of something that I think we should not miss, particularly if we're thinking about the, what this year is the whatever anniversary of black skin, white mask. This is for Rose. As, a, as an adolescent, and I'm sorry, this is personal, but it's as an adolescent, my first love affair as a young man was with Marpessa Dawn who was the lead actress in the Brazilian film, Black Orpheus. 
This relates to French and Francophone philosophy because Jean-Paul Sartre's famous essay mm-hmm. for Negritude Poetry, which Fanon engages as well as critiques in Black Skin, White Mass, was entitled Black Orpheus. And that trope has traveled. A number of people yeah. have used Black Orpheus. But then there is the Brazilian film, Black Orpheus. And it was it's the most impactful film of my youth, I would say. And that's that's not 2020 hindsight. That was at the time. I, I it was <laughs> just a stunning film. And as oh, I saw it in black and white. I wonder what it would ever look like in color. But it was of Brazil, Brazilian, black Brazilian culture. And I mean, it's just an incredible film. Um, and I've I've never thought until this conversation, what would it be? like to look at that film in terms of black Brazilian culture and Franz Fanon um, and Jean-Paul Sartre, for that matter. I mean, why did he call his essay Black Orpheus? You know, and then the connection, of course, is that Fanon asked Sartre to write the preface to Wretched of the Earth, which some Sartrean and I, scholars, and I'd be one, who would say that it was his most revolutionary writing. But yeah. it's I, I just just coming together here. I said it's 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 kind of the only Sartre I like to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but here it is. I mean, I mean, what an interesting conjecture. I mean, uh, conjuncture between the two of, of Brazil, and it's a very important trope. Um, yeah. Black Orpheus, and it meant something in Fanon. It has this connection to Black Brazilian culture. That was unique at the time when that was made yeah. and was global. I mean, it mm-hmm. came to it was part of, you know, black arts and black culture at the time. Um, so, but, well, uh, Brazil is a huge country and <laughs> full of contradictions, right? Um, so black orphans, and uh, so of course you can see a black culture in the film and uh, you can identify that the film is talking about a diversity of how black culture, we understand black culture in in the country. Uh, In Brazil, it's another contradiction that Fanon's book, uh, The Scratched of the Earth, is not really... uh, The book is well known because of the forward of uh, Sartre. Uh, so yeah, and the people usually read more the, the foreword than the book itself. Um, so yeah, and uh, the point is that uh, sometimes the idea that we have is uh, we are living in a reality that is not really. We are talking about a reality that is are really different from the reality that we live. But anyway, uh, I think um, uh, the contradictions of Black Brazil, it's a contradiction that is about more than 50% of the population, but all the time to understand and to to fight against a word that all the time is denied our existence is just like uh, really difficult for all of us. And... uh, yeah, and it's so interesting because until today in some universities and uh, uh, schools, 
uh, phonons reading are not really um, popular. So uh, people from the black movements, they read more phonons, they much more aware about the phonons idea and how to understand uh, the, the, his ideas are uh, working uh, in terms of mm -hmm. discussing of racialization in Brazil. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, it would be great to actually put together a collection on, <laughs> on Fanon, Césaire, Sartre, and the film, because, I mean, it, it strikes me as a, as a film Césaire must have loved if he ever came across it. But, um, but Nigel, how about for you, you know, what, what was behind your choice to, to move Wretched of the Earth to the center of the collection? Um, rather than sort of Fanon generally or black skin, white masks. I mean, I, I, I think I have an intuition of, of why, but I'm, I'm curious about that choice for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a great question because I hadn't actually thought about it um, in that way. I mean, I don't really see a contradiction between, you know, the Fanon of, of black skin, white masks and the Fanon of, of the wretched of the earth, although there are certainly contradictions and, and, you know, developments in his thought. Um, and, and so there, there are many articles in, in, or chapters in the, in the book that, that, that engage black skin, white masks, like roses, which again has these black intellectuals who are also part of movements, you know, like, the, and, and also, you know, or, or, or lose, um, lose peace, which is the same. The intellectuals are part of the, you know, this is part of, part of the black power, uh, moment so to speak, or black power movement. Um, so, or, or for example, or a much more personal story, the opening chapter, um, which is uh, Flavio's chapter about, which is really mostly uh, on the importance of black skin, white masks to his own, his own uh, conception of, of the particular lived experience of, 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 of the black in Portugal. Um, but why, so why, why was it going to be, uh, you know, Le Damnier de Terre? Um, well, one reason was it was going to be the 60th anniversary. So, um, yeah. and, and this was, and this was an idea that I had, um, you know, it started in 2019. I thought oh, I should do this for the 60th anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, and second, because of um, my own, you know, my own work coming back to, you know, um, uh, Fanonian practices in South Africa and the way in which the wretched of the earth had been so important to generations of African revolutionaries on the mm -hmm. continent. And also, of course, in the US. And yeah. my own introduction to, um, you know, to, uh, to Fanon was was through um, the wretched of the earth as and and you know so so in a certain sense um, you know what I what I is uh, Malik calls the immediacy of of Fanon in um, in Pakistan his chapter is really about um, the way in which you can read the wretched of, you know f f you know in a political in the post independence post colonial quote unquote situation mm -hmm. of Pakistan. Or, or the post-apartheid situation in South Africa, or, or the post-colonial Kenya, um, 
or or Ghana and so forth, you can read uh, The Wretched of the Earth and see a certain immediacy in, in what Fanon um, describes. And I, you know, this takes me back to my first, a, a kind of lecture I gave, not kind of, a lecture I gave in, in, in Durban in 2004 um, on Fanon. Um, and students were just beginning to read, you know, were reading Fanon. It wasn't really high. It wasn't hugely popular in, in South Africa at all. Um, but they were reading Fanon uh, and basically finding that they could just um, put in names of local leaders um, or local politicians uh, or local entrepreneurs in place of when Fanon talks about, you know, uh, the, bourge the national bourgeoisie and and and, uh, yeah. and and so forth. I mean, it, it directly kind of connected to them. So there's a kind of immediacy um, of Fanon, uh, which so, I thought I thought was you know, it's it's particularly for new readers of Fanon that's particularly alluring. Um, but of course, mm -hmm. it's much wider than that. So thinking of that immediacy, let me let me pose this question, and I'm curious what uh, each of you has to say about this. I mean, one of the you know one of the things that's really remarkable about the volume, just even a glance at the table of contents, is the incredible geography that's covered in the collection. You know, so many different uh, conflicts, uh, so many different post-colonial situations, different nations, different languages, and different colonial histories. You know, the the colonial history of of Pakistan is so different than. Uh, you know, the, the settler colonialism of, of South Africa or of Algeria or Martinique, you know, so, so the, the diversity is not just different places on the map, but also diverse times, you know, some historical, right? I'm thinking of, of you know, number of essays that sort of trace Fanon's influences through, you know, prior movements. Lou, yours, uh, your essay comes to mind for sure. Um but also just the, the, the real diversity of the kinds of experiences of colonialism, that not all colonial experiences are the same, right? There, there's a, a difference between, you know, settler and administration from abroad, you know, the sort of special place, say, of India in the, the British imagination of, 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 the, of colonialism and Algeria for the French and so on. But what's remarkable about the volume is that it is testimony to, or certainly wants to be testimony to, Fanon's ability to travel across time and travel across geography, travel across Earth, right? Uh, the globe in terms of the existential experience of politics, you know, so it's not just, you know, plugging in terminology, because when you were saying that, you know, they could swap out these categories of bourgeois, intellectual, this is this person, it's not just, of course, what you were saying is not just a swap out, right? It's not just a kind of bland application. It's a depth experience. And so I'm curious, this, you know, and, you know, how do you, you know, how do you have in, in some sort of, I don't want to say concise, but in some sort of, you know, sort of lasered kind of way, what is it about Fanon that allows this to be a story about Palestine or South Africa or the Caribbean or the U.S. and all of those other countries that one could plug in. So maybe Lou, 
sort of first comment on that? Uh, I think two things. Um, just the bottom line, Fanon, uh, I think without fear of, being, of, of any contradiction on this, Fanon's texts are subversive texts. And I think certainly French and Francophone philosophy would understand that. <laughs> I think they kind of specialize in <laughs> he's thinking they create subversive texts, texts that upend or deconstruct the established quo um, and uh, the status quo. And Fanon's constant reemergence on the global stage, uh, constant reemergence on the global stage at periods of revolutionary upsurge or pre-revolutionary upsurge in some cases, um, speak to his texts being subversive. Um, and each he, he kind of prophesied it himself in his the famous statement that everybody likes to repeat from the, um, uh, the chapter on national culture in Wretched of the Earth, each generation must out of each generation must out of relative obscurity discover its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. And we just see that over and over. That that resonates with each new generation because they want to subvert the establish uh, the establishment, the status quo. And his texts are texts that they view, um, whether or not they've internalized it or whatnot. But that's the name. That's the story. We I have a book that came out, edited volume on Fanon's psychotherapeutic practices. And one of the people we interviewed was a, was a, a radio uh, uh, personality here in Champaign-Urbana who had a radio program around mental health and psychological health of people. And it was from a Fanonian perspective. I was on the program uh, many times. And when we did the interview for our book with her, and you know, she had been, uh, as a child, uh, part of the Black Panthers, she was a Young Panther, the breakfast program. And we said, so what attracted you to Fanon? She says, just the idea and the identity of being a revolutionary, that that was it. As so for a young person, it was that he was a revolutionary. To read him is to be, construct an identity for oneself as a revolutionary. And I think I, I see that over and over. You see Fanon all over public art, within the whole George Floyd, Black Lives Matter moment, all over the country uh, with the famous statement, which actually goes back to the Eric Garner strangulation in Long Island, New York, where Eric Garner says, I, can, I can't breathe. And yeah. George Floyd says the same thing um, um, on and video. And I can't breathe. And then the famous quote from Black Skin, White Mass. It wasn't from Wretched of the Earth. It was from Black Skin, White Mass. We revolt not because of any particular culture, but simply because we can no longer breathe. And this mm -hmm. was viral on social media um, during the Eric Garner and again during the George Floyd, um, uh, essentially public lynching. Um, and so... Fanon is a, is, a, is a subversive text. Um, and second point I'd say, and I guess partly a question for, for Nigel, I just forget the sequence of him editing the book and the anniversary of the Paris Commune. 
uh, which was 1871. And the title, The Wretched of the Earth, coming from the, the Internationale, the song of you know, the revolutionary uh, socialist movement, Arise ye prisoners of starvation, arise ye the wretched of the earth. Mm-hmm. And the person that wrote it was part of the Paris Commune. Um, and so I was wondering if that also played a role in the focus of, of Wretched of the Earth for, for the, the, the volume that Nigel edited. Yeah, Nigel, what do you th- Well, I mean, that, that's a great point. And in fact, um, that's the first page of my introduction. I begin with uh, the Commune and Eugene Potier's, uh, Potier's song. Um, and then and then refer it to Jacques, Jacques Roman. Yeah, 150 years since the Commune. I think it's it, it's a great point, um, and pro- and probably if not if not consciously, then unconsciously. I've just forgotten many things, and uh, that might have been one of the things um, one of the things I forgot um, as part of part of its um, part of its anniversary. Rose, if I could ask, uh, I, I know you wanted to respond to this, and, and I wanted to ask you maybe even just specifically in terms of your essay, if that's okay. Or did you want to speak to the comment? I would like, I would like to add something. I think uh, sure, sure. Fanon, it's a kind of a revolution, revolutionary thinker that he is all the time teaching us how to be revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, so that's the... I think that's the, a great point when we read Fanon. Uh, it's interesting how uh, the idea of uh, being revolutionary is the idea that you need to understand uh, what are your aims and objectives when you were talking about you as a human being. And uh, one another thing that I would like to say is how uh, Fanon's idea are interpreted and reinterpreted uh, in different spaces mm-hmm. uh, in America, in Latin America, in Brazil, or in Europe, or in the U.S. So in, in different spaces in different countries, and how. Uh, we understand Fanon's idea outside of uh, institutions. We understand Fanon's ideas uh, in different places that are not really recognized as educational institutions. Uh, But they are teaching us all the time as, for example, the black movement in, in Brazil. So for a long period, uh, Neuza Souza Santos and uh, Lélia Gonzalez, the two figures that I'm talking about in the essay, they were part of the black movement in Rio and they encountered Fanon in that space and how they were not in uh, getting in touch with the Fanon's readings in an educational space and how the space of the movements, they are forming uh, people intellectually. So, and how the understanding 
in this way? Is the understanding, Fanon's ideas in this way, is the understanding how to be revolutionary. To be revolutionary is to fight against a word that all the time is denying the extent, the existence of black people. So, and how uh, institutions, educational, educational institutions are not teaching what the movements are teaching. And that's why maybe uh, Fanon is, until today, so revolutionary. And that makes a, you know, both what, what you just said uh, now, Rose, and what Lou uh, was saying just before, does open up this really interesting question about what, is it, what would it mean to talk about Fanon's ontology, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that if one thinks about on Fanon's ontology, I, I mean, myself, my immediate go-to is, you know, the construction of blackness by the white gaze in Black Skin, White Masks and the new humanism in Wretched of the Earth and the way those two sort of expand across the, the work between those two books, but also, you know, are present in both. But this idea of being a revolutionary, right, a kind mm-hmm. of being is, uh, for me, a really interesting way to just formulate, you know, what is his ontology? It's an ontology of transformation, but it doesn't leap immediately to the new humanism, right? It's this becoming revolutionary as a mode of being. I think if, if, we, if we could make it contemporary, and again, in the connection between Brazil and South Africa, that today we see um, the shack dwellers of Swali creating a commune in some of those spaces that they've created, self-consciously calling themselves a commune. And one of them has a commune where there is a Fanon center. But they also say that they're in conversation with and drawing ideas from the movement in Brazil, Mm -hmm. very consciously so. And so the idea that Fanon's ontology can be one that that bridges or undergirds this transnationalism of ideas of going not just to revolution, but beyond revolution to what happens after the revolution. That is the creation of a new society within the breakup of the old, which is the dialectic. That is, you don't just get rid of something one day and then (laughs) magically have something the, the, the next day. There's a gestation. It's a growing within the old of something new and the idea of a commune um, that these shack dwellers that are creating these communes in certain of townships in South Africa and that they're drawing inspiration and they're having these conversations with similar movements in Brazil and they're, <laughs> and they have a Fanon center, at least at one of them is just fascinating. I mean, we're at a different yeah. stage of thinking about, social movements um, that many of us were part of in the past, but we always had these connections internationally. I don't want to say that that's new, mm-hmm. but where they're taking it now and at least using Fanon, at least in some instance, um, as a philosophical basis for what they're doing is mm-hmm. incredibly exciting and is new. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really anxious when I get rid of some of these other damn projects I'm working on to really dig into what is happening with this between yeah. South Africa and Brazil? Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, I just want to. So, I just want to say something about the cover. I don't, John. I don't know whether you actually got a hard copy of the book or whether the PDF I sent you actually had the the, the cover of the book. Um, I've but, seen the cover, and it'll be on the detail part of the podcast. But yeah, oh great, go ahead and great. Speak to I it. mean, there was there was there was real you know real thought and intention in this. Um, the you know the first of all the the Fanon picture of Fanon and the and the red. Um, the Red Sun comes from a South African uh, artist, uh, Anastasia uh, um, Ilaseva. Um, and then, um, but the thing is, but then when I first saw it, I thought, oh, I really liked it. I liked the color of it. But it, see, it was very static. Um, the Abbas Lali, the people on the bottom, who are actually some of the shack dwellers in a, in a movement photo, um, weren't... You know they weren't there, so in fact it was it was very it was like lines and so forth. So, but to have that relationship between you know there's Fanon, the Red Sun, but then there's then there then there's action. In other words, there's a kind of move. There's a certain sense of movement or flow in mm -hmm. in, in in the um you know in 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 the in in the in the in the in the cover. And so, and I just appreciate Lou talking about the, you know, interestingly, I think, and this certainly happened after I, I was, um, you know, after the book was, uh, was underway, was that the, you know, what, what, what the shack dwellers created in, on this occupied piece of land, in other words, um, you know, under threat from, from remove, forced removal and, and so forth, is, is the Fanon School. They named it. They named. They had the Steve Biko Center, and they have the Fanon School. And I and I reproduce um, a photograph of it um, uh, in in the introduction. But the third thing I want to say, in terms of this kind of global movement or exchange, is that also um, is talk about Ireland for a moment. In other words, here's the question of language, the question of the Irish language, as actually essential to um, the crisis in in the north of Ireland at this very moment. In other words, the fact that the the DUP, the you know the Unionist DUP party, who's the major, who were the majority party, um, tried to defund the the Irish language programs, created a backlash. And, and social movement by la la Irish language activists, of whom one of them is Fergal McKinrity, uh, who writes this chapter about Fanon, the importance of Fanon to the Irish language struggle, which he then uh, in the chapter connects back to um, uh, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the internment of Republicans in the late 19... You know, this, this in fact, being 50 years after Bloody Sunday, Sunday you know, right. the last week, the internment... Um, of of Republicans uh, in the late 60s and early 70s decided to learn Irish, but also were reading at that very moment the Wretched of the Earth. Now, Absolutely. I know that Homie, yeah. Homie Barbar mentions this in his introduction, but it had very, very little to do with the question of violence. In other words, the IRA already knew about violence, and they had, and they were engaging in armed struggle. They didn't need to be convinced about violence, but they were interested in, 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 in other questions, and especially on the question of national culture and language. Um, 
that uh, that were being brought up. Not only, you know, they they may have not been reading Black Skin, White Mask, but of course the question of language comes up there right at the beginning, um, talking yeah. about ontology, for example, and the question of of language um, in in uh, in the chapter on national culture in um, uh, in the Wretched of the Earth. So so it's it's fascinating that you know you talked about the traveling and the contemporaneity of, of Fanon. Here we have contemporary Ireland today, right? Um, where the where, where the fact that um, the the whole question of of Brexit. And the way it's moving and the way it's working out in, in the Northern Ireland. And in fact, the, the crisis of the, of the British state turns on this, this question of, of the Irish language as a hmm. mass movement threatening, threatening the stability of the North of Ireland. Uh, and of course, you know, um, Britain as a whole in terms of the Bre you know, Brexit and Europe and whatnot. So, you know, it, it's just, the, you know, like in other words, Fanon is coming up. Uh, and here's a connection. And, and fascinating thing for me is, in fact, uh, Fergal. I met Fergal in France in 2000, I think in 2012, in a conference on, on, on Fanon. He, he'd just written his dissertation on the Irish language struggle, um, uh, yeah, historical kind of struggle, which he repeats some of it here in this chapter. Um, but, but so... You know, these are these are also the connections. There are people doing. Mm -hmm. In other words, I I wouldn't have known about Fergal Fergal McHenry if I hadn't met him, uh, and I wouldn't have known this element of the way in which someone's using Fanon and has this connection back to. I mean, his father was interned, so he has a personal connection um, to people actually to Irish Republican prisoners. Um, very very many of them working class. People who didn't finish school engaging in in learning Irish language and also reading about Fanon as as they are interned um, in the 1970s and of course uh, and and that becoming part of, of a new kind of cons a new movement of, of the way in which language is political. In other words, to learn Irish yeah. became an, a political a political element, which of course. We understand Fanon. I mean, just to think about Wretched of the Earth for one second. The Wretched of the Earth is remarkable in that it wasn't the book Fanon wanted to write. He had this much grander project of writing a book about a continental liberation from from uh, fr from the Cape to to Algiers. Right. Um, that was a, that was a, the title in I think in 1960 of, of the book he wanted to write. In the end during a moment of remission from leukemia, he was able to write The Wretched of the Earth. Took him, I mean, he was able to put it together, some of which, some of the parts were already written. He was able to put it together. And now, 60 years later, we're still reading a book that he had to put together as he was dying. And he concluded it with a chapter on mental health. So yeah. he saw the importance of mental health, not only in the struggle against colonialism, but for what would happen after. In other words, after you, after independence, he made it very clear in that struggle on mental health that the questions that he was raising throughout the book wouldn't be just sorted out automatically. There was no magic, you know, machine, uh, as he says uh, elsewhere, that would liberate people or in a certain way, liberate people 
from from the trauma and you know uh, and 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 uh, mental health issues that came out of the colonial war and, and out of colonization. He so left it's the... it's cr- it's crazy to think about about these. You know, you mentioned him composing this book. You know, in 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 a, a period of remission. Um, I just think of all of these. You know, you know George Jackson writing from you know just absolutely uh, horrifying prison conditions or, or just the way early phenomenologies, a lot of it was written and even the early Wittgenstein, you know, written from, uh, you know, bombed out ruins or trenches. And, uh, it's a little bit shameful uh, then in those moments to complain about productivity under a pandemic where we all have our books here. They're just uh, trapped inside, but um you know, there's a, a small footnote to, to Nigel's. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't bring it up. But the, the English translation of Wretched of the Earth was by an Irish national yeah. activist. Yeah. 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 So, Rose, um, I want to come back to this sort of Fanon's uh, capacity to travel um, and the way that plays out in, in, in your essay in particular. Because one of the things that struck me when I was was reading through it um, is, of course, Latin America and the Caribbean have just been, you know, since the Second World War, uh, just as, as, you know, have had so much intellectual production around uh, anti and post-colonial theory, around you know national literature, around race and racism, and so. Fanon having the impact that you talked about in your essay is, I mean, it's just, you know, a thinker who has big impact is, is worth talking about and, and uh, is noteworthy. But I was just thinking about Fanon is not, you know, one of the only intellectuals in the hemisphere to speak to these issues, right? But you really talk in your essay about the, the in, uh, immensity of his impact. And so in that way of, you know, what is it about Fanon that travels well to different geographies? I wondered in terms of your essay, what what elements of Fanon's work in particular you think allowed him to have such a sizable impact in a context where there is so much intellectual production, you know, that sort of, I don't want to say battling because it's not an actual battle, but is, you know, there's, it takes a lot to emerge as an important figure in the context you're writing about. You know, what is it about Fanon that makes him stand out in that context? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say something about language. Oh, yeah, please. Um, that is, that, that's interesting because when you're talking about to be global, global ideas, and how is interesting uh, for you to be global, the language that you are going to write about it. And I would like to say that uh, we have, of course, lots of things in Brazil in terms of intellectual production, but Brazil is a huge country that from the Oyapok until Chuí, we all Brazilians, we speak one language and we speak Portuguese. And so how is interesting for you to be global that you need to speak another language and you need to write in another another language. And how language is uh, for you to, your ideas travel around the world, 
you need to communicate uh, sometimes in different languages. And uh, the way of uh, you think sometimes in your own language is really different when you think about in a foreign language, for example. And I'm saying that because uh, I wrote the article in Portuguese and the article was translating into English. And the way sometimes that we write in our language is a different way that the translation is going to organize. And it was a, a, an interesting work uh, between me and Jane Anna Gordon and how we thought uh, just to proceed in the translation of the article. And um, it was interesting because uh, I wrote in Portuguese and then I translated first into English and then we discussed how to organize the prose in a way that the article could be uh, interesting to be to read. Okay. And uh, it's interesting because uh, Jane, uh, uh, she doesn't know much about Portuguese, but the work was so interesting because she knows uh, the way that I write, and so it ha helped a lot how we organize all the ideas. It's just to complete the the idea of language and to be global. Uh, well, in Brazil, when uh, uh, in 1960, when Sartre came to Brazil, uh, so we had uh, some uh, intellectuals in Brazil thinking about Fanon, but uh, we also have uh, those intellectuals uh, go to the exile during the dictatorship in Brazil. So, and for most of them, Otaviani, Abigail Nascimento, Clovis Moura, and others, uh, they encountered Fanon during the exile and during the dictatorship in Brazil. So, and when they came uh, back to uh, Brazil after the dictatorship, uh, they brought uh, even Paulo Freire, right? Even Paulo Freire, uh, the great uh, uh, thinker in education in Brazil. So his ideas was, uh, most of his ideas were based in Fanon's idea. And uh, so when they came uh, uh, back to Brazil after the dictatorship, so uh, the logic of using Fanon in the spaces where they use it to work was there, there was no sense because of uh, the idea of the educational uh, procedures and practice in Brazil not really uh, had a connection at that time with Fanon's idea. So from that uh, moment, from this moment that we are working, so everything what is different because, um, uh, of course, uh, we had a lot of people from different places, uh, from different movements in Brazil, go into some uh, spaces, especially in academic spaces, to discuss Fanon. Um, and then uh, Fanon uh, is just uh, uh, interesting uh, in this context uh, because uh, his ideas are, it's interesting how uh, in literature, for example, we can uh, use his ideas to discuss different tasks in literature. And uh, so I'm writing now an essay about another book named Torto Arado. 
and how the community in the narrative uh, that is a specific part of Brazil that is Chapada Diamantina in Bahia. So they understand in the narratives as black people and how, for example, the land is in a specific a way of understanding themselves as human and black people. And how, uh, because the narrative is about 40, 45 uh, years after the abolition in Brazil, and how uh, uh, the idea of exploration is uh, really in the narrative. And so uh, we could not understand the narrative without understanding uh, how the racialization, how the idea of a racialization of black people is, is uh, uh, posted on uh, Brazilian society. So, Lou, let me ask you about your essay, a sort of similar uh, question. You know, you, you, uh, you know, you make such interesting, uh, you know, give such an interesting history and I have to say just flat out like inspiring vision of, you know, how Fanon's work connects to a Pan-African vision, right, in terms of of thinking, of identity, of revolutionary mindset. And this is, again, just to continue with this theme about the, the capacity of Fanon's work to travel. You know, what do you think it is? Is it something about Fanon's work that allows that those kinds of connections to be made? Or do you think, and I don't think that this diminishes anything about Fanon, and in fact, um, I think very much uh, uh, elevates him. Uh, do you think it's the creativity of those different diasporic or continental uh, writers and thinkers, their own creativity to make Fanon uh, central or relevant to their own thinking. And I ask that, and, and part of what's, I'm also thinking about it behind this travel, uh, this capacity of Fanon's work to travel is, you know, uh, one of the things I really like about Henry Louis Gates's famous essay on Fanon is that he calls Fanon a Rorschach test. And a lot of people took that to be a negative, and maybe maybe Skip meant that as a negative. I, I don't know, but I actually think you know this is something like as writers we should aspire to, right? The idea that someone can see in your work something that is formed as much by their own anticipation of the world and their needs from the world, and they see that in 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 your text. So I'm wondering if it's Fanon having kind of a Rorschach test. Uh, Function, or and the, therefore engaging the creativity of you know uh, thinkers across the Atlantic world, or do you think it is something about Fanon's own text that sort of um, sets the terms of that relationship? I I, I, I think that the Rorschach comment by Gates um, kind of presents the other side, and I think some sometimes a limiting side of the view of Fanon, the other side from your earlier comment, which is, I would say, goes to answering your question. That is the question of Fanon's ontology um, that I think answers the question more than the Rorschach. The Rorschach is more an epistemological question um, to me. Um, but I think it's the question that it's, it's the comment, the observation you made earlier 
about Fanon's ontology, which has been, you know, you know, engaged by, you know, several scholars. Um, so it's not uh, outside the question. I think it could be engaged um, from more of a revolutionary point of view than other scholars have presented it. I think yours was more revolutionary. That is, a way of being a revolutionary is, is what you, was the point you made. And I think that, that explains much about, um, about Fanon. And from my own experience, the late 60s, early 70s, uh, as a student, student activist and, you know, young intellectual, um, it was our search. It, it was, <laughs> it was kind of a lag in our search for, okay, we're out here doing all this stuff. How do we, how do we actually, how are we being about doing all this stuff mm-hmm. that we're doing? <laughs> and we went searching for, um, for ways of being. And the, the idea of the traveling of Fanon, the Edward Said notion of Fanon um, as, as a text that, that, that travels, I think, I think the ontology, Fanon's ontology, explains it more, in my view, than the Rorschach, which is, well, you can make it anything you want. You know, sometimes a banana is just a banana or something. Uh, but... Um, and it's interesting because in Fanon's um, clinical papers, he actually has a version of Rorschach test called the TAT uh, test, uh, which was a, a version. It's kind of a cousin of Rorschach. And he, in his use of this TAT, uh, what is it, apperception something test, um, it raised a lot of cultural problems when applied to uh, Algerian women, where it didn't work at all. And apparently, there was there's a whole literature of attempts to use these TAT tests for mental health uh, and uh, psychotherapy, psychotherapeutic practices in different parts of the world, including a number of them in the United States, where it just didn't work. And so people had to revise these kind of TAT mm-hmm. slash kind of Rorschach tests because they, they didn't work. A version of them becomes part of the doll studies that uh, Kenneth and Mamie Clark do it for the mm-hmm. Brown versus Board of Education test. So I, I think for us, it, it was Fanon's ontology. How, how, how does one be a revolutionary? Um, and when you go searching for that, it usually, again, it's a, it's a lagging indicator, usually has the action precede, you know, um, precedes the the search for mm-hmm. how to be it and so you're kind of left with a dilemma okay we're doing this how are we to do it bobby seal for instance said he read wretched of the earth six times before he he he, uh, he introduced it to Huey newton for the black panther uh-huh. party and they were searching i mean we, we our that generation of us were were searching for how to be a revolutionary the other side of that was Martin Luther King, SCLC, and nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And they had what they knew they were being as, you know, um, nonviolent activists, you know, um, militant disobedience and whatnot. But we were coming with something else. But how are we going to be that? And we went searching. Yeah. 
and that's what Fanon gave to us. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned that at the, one of my favorite documents is, uh, is, I mean, it was in the Black Panther newspaper, was the Black Panther reading list and Wretched of right. the Earth is on there along with Du Bois's reconstruction, Black Reconstruction. Right. Uh, just on a personal note about that, that was actually published in the edition that came out on the day I was born. So <laughs> every time it comes up, it says uh, October 26, 1968. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I, I always, <laughs> my, my birthday is October 16th. And so I always identify with John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. So, <laughs> well, so these are good things to associate. Yeah, right. <laughs> so let me ask uh, both of you in this, um, uh, and I don't want to say a soundbite way because I actually would, uh, you know, invite you to, to, you know, articulate with with any kind of depth you want. But you know, when I look at this this volume and I think about it um, figuratively and in a reader's backpack, right? And they pull it out and they read it. It's going to take them a long time. This is a hefty volume. Um, but everybody who's listening to this ought to read the whole thing. Um, just fantastic collection. Yeah, yeah John, you... John, with our pamphlet, they could be it in their back pocket, but they can't do that with this one. Yes, <laughs> yes. unless it's on their phone. So, you know, that's the, uh, the PDF availability, I think right, it would really Right, that right, would work. Um, but, I, you know, what, what do you... What would you want readers to walk away from the volume thinking? And I say thinking because in the broadest sense, because sometimes it's like there's a, you know, you read a book and you have your quick sort of, you know, what they used to call like the elevator pitch, you know, when you're on the job market in academia, it's like, what's your, what's your like one minute pitch about your dissertation? But but I don't really mean that, like, what's the one-minute pitch about the book, but rather the the way you walk away from the book, you know, and the way that something that is really impactful makes you walk and feel and think and your sensibilities are all very different. So if you imagine readers walking away from this book, how how how, how do you think or want or wish or hope they they move and think and feel differently? Maybe start with you, Nigel. Well, um, well, first of all, let me just get back on the Skip Gates Rorschach thing to add to Lou's point. Um, okay. I didn't mean to open up a, 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 a <laughs> no. everybody's anxieties about Skip Gates. No, it's not. A, it's not an anxiety at all. In fact, it's um, it's uh, it was because Lou talked about the you know the TAT the, the thematic uh, apperception tests. I was thinking when he was speaking of of uh, of Fanon's discussion of the dreams in uh, in 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 his chapter on Manoni in the uh, Black Skin White Mask, where he said sometimes the gun is just a gun, uh, and Freud has no use for us here. So you know, I mean, in other words, that's the Rorschach. Sometimes what Fanon says, you know, is what Fanon says, and sometimes what Fanon says as is doing. Um, you know, what's he doing in a dying colonialism and what's he doing in um, in the wretched of the earth as, especially in the wretched of the earth, he's not even doing psychiatry any longer. He stops doing that in 1959 um, in, in Tunis and then becomes a full-time um, 
uh, 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 representative of of the uh, of of the uh, of the provisional yeah. government, Algerian provisional government. He's a full time revolutionary. 1960. He's he's on that. He's taking that trip to the to the to the south uh, southwest, right? The the Malian border. Um, he's con he's connecting with Malian revolutionaries, murdered. Uh, he talks about in his in notebooks in 1960. Uh, he's 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 talking in in Congo. He's meeting with Lumumba. He's mm. giving talks in Accra. He is he is absolutely being a revolutionary. He's talking about continental revolution. I mean, you know. So mm -hmm. sometimes uh, what he what he is and, and and what he's doing is exactly what he is and what he's doing. Um, you don't need the the Rorschach uh, test to to know which way the wind blows. Um, so, but anyway, to talk about the book as a whole, talk about <laughs> that's an interesting way to think about how to walk away from this differently, right? Yeah. Is is the ability to see the 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 I don't want to say the fixity, but the stability of certain phenomena and ideas and affects and imperatives, and see the way they play out in different national contexts, right? Which is different than people are adapting or adopting, um, you know, elements of Fanon or, or their perception of Fanon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's a good point. I mean, there's, there's certainly ways in which one could think, you know, Fanon is also a thinker that, that moves and thinks. In other words, it's not like he's, you know, what he says in black skin, white masks is, is, I mean, he doesn't disagree with it, but but he develops his thinking in different situations. He always talks about having a situational analysis. So the situational analysis he has in France in in 1951-52 is quite different from the situational analysis he's writing in in a dying colonialism in 1959. His attitude towards uh, you know it's the revolution that creates the new subjectivities, right? Women unveiled, women veiled the threat of women in the revolution, the ways in which relations in the family are changing and so forth mm -hmm. that he notes in that chapter. It's the revolution that creates the new, so to speak, for Fanon to talk about, not Fanon inventing, um, right. you know, subjectivities or something, or just out of out of whole, whole hog deciding that, uh, that the quote-unquote new man and new woman are just like, are just created out of nothing. He's actually... It's part of his experience and his analysis of what's going on. Of course, that's sixty years ago, and uh, it it isn't it isn't mappable uh, immediately. But but you know, in a certain sense, it's that living element of what he does in his thought and the way in which he writes, the engaging way in which he writes. You know, the fact that you know he always wrote orally. Um, you know, yeah. and, and Josie or or other typists and so forth typed it out. Um, you know that the wretched of the earth was 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 typed by. You know, he wanted the words to say something. He wanted he was he was an artist in a sense as a writer, um, and he wanted. And I think there's a certain sense. That's why that the, there's a certain way in which it, there's an attraction. And when you, when Bobby Seale read, uh, you know, wretched of the earth six times. You have to read it many times. Right. Each time you come to it, there's 
there's something else going on that you that takes you know that that takes your interest that becomes new and it's partly part of his part of the way part of the way in which he wants to engage the reader that makes him so contemporary in a sort continues to be contemporary in an interesting way and the last point i want to make sorry i'm going on is that i also think that the psychiatry readings translated into english aren't like in a field outside of the of fanon's project they're very much engaged in this whole question of human freedom sure, i mean that's really absolutely. what he, that's what he's that's what he's engaged in and that's what he's concerned about rose what do you think what do you imagine you want you would love to see a reader walk away with in terms of their transformed thinking sensibilities relations uh well, I think in, uh, in this particular book, one thing that, well, Nigel did uh, extraordinary work, right? And um, I think um, uh, you, you don't need to read essays in, in order, right? I think the book uh, is extraordinary book just for you to read uh, and reread and uh, understand the the connection of the book has uh, with the different parts. And I think uh, uh, it's going to be hard for some people uh, in Brazil to read the book, uh, not not just because of language, uh, because of course uh, people can read in English and understand what you're saying. But mm -hmm. I'm just uh, thinking of. Um, uh, how they're going to read the book and understanding the connections of the part they have if they're not really familiar with uh, the idea of uh, the ideas of the Fanon uh, in terms of social movements and uh, uh, transformation in society. Uh, of course, um, uh, the essays is a way uh, for people in general know how we can understand in a contemporary way uh, things that Fanon thought and was engaged uh, from his, his own experience. Uh, and I think, uh, uh, I don't know about the reception of the book and uh, it's just a, a question. I don't know about the reception of the book uh, in US, for example, um, I imagine that the reception of the book was uh, is great, but uh, I think uh, uh, the, the understanding uh, and uh, the way that the reader uh, is going to understand those connections maybe is going to be a kind of um, uh, interesting, maybe, but on the other side, a little bit difficult because of uh, the notion that some of them, they don't have about Fanon's idea as a whole. Mm -hmm. Lou, let me ask you as, and um, you know, no pressure for the profundity of your comments, but uh, as a way of uh, wrapping up our, our conversation, but how do you think, you know, given 
given your essay, given your sense of the volume, Fanon's work, uh, the importance of this international uh, conversation that the book embodies. It doesn't just spark, but really embodies. What do you think in terms of the walk away? How should we walk differently after this book? I think we should walk away with um, that the book um, reflects or indicates uh, an inflection point. Uh, in $50 word uh, or term, uh, this, the discursive field of knowledge of Fanon. I think we're in a very different place. There's so many people who have so much, have read, there have been multiple in re, uh, readings of Fanon. Um, it's not like we're in a space where, well, I didn't know about Fanon. <laughs> this, it's, you know, when Fanon is public art in Minneapolis um, during the whole George Floyd and other cities, uh, when Fanon is viral on social media, um, and this generation, is, which is kind of proud of its self-awareness, uh, even sometimes when it isn't so self-aware, but it's, pride of, it's proud of its self-awareness. There's no, no way comment. that Fanon <laughs> could be viral and be in public art and in places like Minneapolis without young people being very aware, being having some resonance, uh, mm-hmm. there being some resonance of Fanon in their, in their thinking. And so the book, to me, signals an inflection point in the reception of Fanon's ontology, if you will. I like your term. I, I'm, I'm running with your, with your expression, John. Glad I said it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think what people will walk away with with this book is, oh, my God, I didn't know about that in Brazil. Oh, God, I didn't know that in Ireland. I mean, and, and not because they didn't know about Fanon. It's just that they didn't know fully about his reach um, mm-hmm. in this moment. And so I think that is new. It isn't Bobby Seale saying, oh, man, you got to check out this book, Huey. You know, nobody knew about it. By the way, the first edition by Grove Press, which was kind of a, mo- a movement publisher, went through 17 printings in the first year. That's crazy. And wow. it's crazy. And so that's not where we are. I mean, we're at, wow, I didn't know this about Fanon in Brazil I and mean, what they're doing. That's what I think this book uh, will, that's what I want people to take away with. And then to explore those other places through the guidance or through the bridge that Fanon provides and hopefully hooking up um, and making these Mm -hmm. connections internationally for an international movement that's long overdue, but I think is is emerging. And and we have to thank Nigel. Uh, for, Absolutely. For, for doing this. He's the most prolific Fanon writer in the world. And uh, this book, and he laughs, but it's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So and, uh, um, that's great. And Nigel, Nigel was very fast because I remember when I was in the U.S. in 2019, I was visiting Yukon and Nigel came to talk to me about the book and so the organization of the book and asked me, uh, to write the essay. So, and it was very fast. 
you know, <laughs> because uh, so more, uh, more. I think it's more than sixty hundred pages, right? Uh, yes. So yeah, and uh, so it was very fast. So I yeah. think uh, it was brilliant, brilliant work. And uh, of course, the engage of uh, the authors and uh, you know how the book was organized and how Nigel conducted the the work. And, uh, and of course, in some cases, in my case, the translation, because we, we took a time to have the translation done. So, yeah, I think it was very, 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 very fast and uh, with a high, high quality. So, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and we should so, always mention his, his, his great partner, Farouz, at Daraja Press, yeah. that made this, made this happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's... You know, movement presses and and whatever modality they're in, either virally or on hardcover or both, is again comes back to the technology. I mean, we just couldn't he couldn't have done this without without Farouz. And how technology well, are so important, right? To put the, some this kind of project in in yeah. in you know, available. No? Yeah. So yeah. I just want to re- I want to reach out to the listeners and say if anyone's <laughs> interested in reviewing the book, they should get hold of Feroz at darajapress.com. All right, I will put uh, put that in the the each each podcast has a details page, and I will uh, absolutely put that in. I will also say that Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy would be more than happy to host uh, reviews. Um. Well, I have to say, you know, what's been so interesting just getting, uh, you know, waiting for, for us to talk is um, my class last night uh, was on race and mass incarceration. And one of the things we ended up talking about at the end of the class was how our turn is always national in terms of how do we struggle against um, state apparatuses of, of exploitation and violence. And somebody said, why don't we ever think international like, and then, you know, they're, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, like I said, like our grandparents and great grandparents did. And, you know, I was able to refer them to this book and say, well, here's a book about a particular thinker deployed in this international way. And um, I think that's where the PDF availability is so important. Even just perusing the table of contents allows anyone to see that all of these national struggles, they have international connections and that possibility that was so uh, vibrant and, and full in the late 1960s and, and 1970s in the United States. Uh, I think this volume does a lot to remind us that these kinds of things are all possible. And so I wanna say thank you to, to all three of you for making the time. This was uh, really fantastic. Um, this is time out of your day. I'm really happy that we had a chance to talk about the volume, about your particular work, about Fanal's work in general. And I'll just uh, say, you know, to add to what Rose and Lou said, uh, thank you, Nigel, for the effort of putting this volume together and uh, know that there are a lot of people who really appreciate this, uh, whatever it means in terms of annual reports at your college. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it absolutely is, is so important for all of us as scholars. So thank you all and um, take care. care. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Oh.